I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back. Hello and welcome to the weekly edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Donigan and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeff Shackleford. How are you doing, Jeff? I am doing swimmingly, Lawrence. I'm glad the tour's out of town, It was, but it was a great, fun week. Yeah, the uh, Shackleford major, as, uh, as I, I, I come to know it. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, a lot in the podcast, but before we get there, uh, just very, very, very quickly, mckellarmagazine.com for all items, McKellar, magazines, t-shirts, hats, whatever. Uh, do us all a favour and go and spend some of your money there and support great golf journalism. The other thing, very quickly, Jeff, you've got a book coming out, uh, the title again. Golf architecture for normal people. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> June also, one. June one. But you can okay. pre-order now, and uh, yeah, you'll hear a lot about it as we get closer. I'm right. trying not to wear people out on it, but uh, it was fun to talk about it with some some folks at last week, and uh, once again reaffirm my uh, good sense that people are in, excited about architecture and want to have uh, a little different approach to uh, how they look at courses so it was there was a lot of golf course design talk last week well good and there's going to be quite a bit of golf course design talk this week uh, in the podcast because i'm a normal person uh Riveret, riviera how did it uh how did it hold up what did you think i saw a piece in uh, no laying up my goodness yeah they coated yeah. they eviscerated the 10th hole yeah Ooh. kevin did uh, van valkenberg did a really nice job with that piece uh i thought it was um yeah i'm i'm still working on my 10th hole uh thoughts because i don't really want to do a preachy this is how you should fix a thing but I, it is an interesting sort of gathering spot of of a bunch of different things going on in in the sport um architecture technology the way players approach a whole um and so it was it was entertaining as always and and fascinating to see how it played but then there were other parts of course of riviera that uh, highlighted some things again, same deal, architecture, distance, way players think, uh, what they take from analytics, what they don't take or what analytics don't tell them. Um, and so from an, from an, uh, observation perspective, it was fascinating to watch all these things come together. Um, and we can, we can, whatever you want to, uh, yeah. uh, go down, whatever rat hole you'd like to go down, but there are many, but it was, yeah, it was great for, for viewing and fascinating to, uh, to, to see some of the comments in, in his piece. And, and I somewhat understand, uh, the player comments, but man, guess who was the voice of reason? Tiger Woods. What did, what did Tiger have to say? Well, as okay, well, let's just get right to it. So, so, so the problem is that I have long felt that the modern professionals greatest weakness, at least in the last 10 years that I've watched, uh, is with a wedge, uh, or whatever club you want to call it from, from 80 to 115 yards. And they're really only about seven or eight guys that I would take from that distance. And the rest I think are remarkably mediocre. And I probably was wrong in that assessment in that tiger pointed out that, there really is a difference in the ball and he plays a very soft spinning ball. And, but at the same time, if you read between the lines on that, that's a shot too at some of the guys. And it's been my view that, okay, yeah, I, I'm aware of the ball and I'm, and Riviera's greens are firm and they've jacked around with the green on the 10th and some other greens, whatever. But what I've always watched 
and and just in horror standing behind the green is that Justin Thomas was the only guy I saw try to hit a high soft yeah. landing cutting shot that shaped the green and the rest of them just play their normal shot the the the, the few that lay up uh, and you just think well you know, maybe you need to adjust your game to the architecture. And so what happened? Tiger lays up twice this week, um, both times perfectly. Both times he hit it about eight feet, missed the putts. And, you know, what What the analytics don't tell you in that situation, Some someone will look at that and say, well, he made two pars. And somebody else drove the green all four days and made uh, two birdies, a bogey, and a par, let's say. Well, but the difference is that those two times that Tiger made the layup and the par, compared to the time he did not, he hit it in the bunker, they were low stress. There was almost no stress involved in those. Yeah. And and so the numbers, and that's what I just, am a blow, I had a long argument a few years ago with just Jordan Spieth out there. I mean, a fun argument. And I wish I had just hit this point because Cameron McCormick was there watching us go at it. And I go, I just kept saying, why do you want to bring in six and all this nonsense over here with these little trees and blowing it over here when for four days you would have no stress playing it with your normal game and your wedge? And and so that's a fascinating thing to watch that that a lot of guys don't have that ability to make that assessment. And Tiger clearly did because he went back to, to, to laying up a couple times. And uh, But anyway, he made some interesting points about how, how the hole used to play how it plays now and it's just way too short that's another problem and they haven't haven't extended it like the other holes so it, it um i think the players uh i understand some of their gripes some of it is the classic argument of when you feel like somebody has been and i yeah i just, i beat this point uh all the time but when <laughs> when you feel like some person is manipulating the architecture to screw with you you reject it. If, if you, if it's the old course, you feel like it's mother nature and some water shapes, some weird contours and you get a weird bounce. You go, well, that's, that was what nature created. And it, and it still comes down to that as well at uh, 10. So anyway, it was, it was fascinating to watch and it, it's a very good piece. Kevin really covered a lot of the key points in it. And I'm going to try to do something just a little bit different. The, um, whenever I get around to it, Well, as a, as a normal person that, just listening to you speak there, uh, the beauty of it is people still are kind of confused about how to play it. They get kind of caught between yes. two, two thoughts, and, uh, and, the, and that's when, a good thing. That's a great way. thing, of course it yeah. is. That's a whole, you know, again, not to you know blow your trumpet, uh, but when I go to Rustic Canyon, that for just countless holes at Rustic Canyon, where I've, I've you know played it countless times, and I'm still you know how do I play this hole? Maybe I'll play it this way. I mean, isn't that the isn't that the beauty of a hole like the ten? Absolutely. I mean, that's what you dream of is that that nobody now I wish the arguments were more about laying up and going for it instead of where you go for it and launch it into the, the area way to the left into the rough on the 11th hole. (laughs) It's kind of goofy, but yes, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And it'll be fun to see if some of the guys in the, in the numbers crunching next year, lay up a little bit more because they saw tiger do it. Um, or heard that he did it, but I don't think so. They seem very stubborn on this notion that the numbers do not lie. And, and, and you just wonder a good, smart caddy recognizes that stress element. And you just wonder why that discussion isn't 
taking place more with guys because they can hit the wedge. Maybe they can't hit it close to the back pin because it sits in this crazy little exposed sort of, um, it's almost like a, an infinity pool look. And when everything's firm like it was, and by the way, downwind on the second shot this year, not into the wind. So when you, there are definitely, but you can still hit the ball. Yeah. And this is, gets to another topic, Lawrence, the fourth hole. This, I, there is an entitlement that when you are on the PGA tour, you should be able to hit a ball on a green at the exact line at the flag and, and your ball should hold. And they don't understand that, you know, sometimes you, that's just not the case. Yeah. We'll come on to the fourth hole in a minute, but just to, to rebut that point, you know, six, I think I was reading in your newsletter, the quadrilateral 16% on one of the days. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, not that's right. It that, was so downwind. That, right. It was downwind. But, but that speaks to some kind of, uh, Goofiness. I'm sorry. 16. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I've I've hit that shot. I was blessed to play that a lot, and you still can with Kikuya. So the the issue is Kikuya is soft. The greens were yeah. very very the, the firm this year. Yeah, but the Kikuya this time of year does release some on the and it, on the right the Redan effect. You can still place it there, have it trickle down, trickle onto the green, and you're going to have a 30 to 40 footer at the worst. So again there's a belief that you're entitled to carry it onto the green. Um, now the smart player will counter that and say, well, the approach stops it right in front of the green. Yes, that's a problem, but the Redan element is still there. Not the way we'd like, but it is there. And it's just this entitlement that, that you're allowed to play the line you want to play. And sometimes that's just, yeah. And that's just not golf. Sometimes you actually have to play away from the hole and, and take your 30 footer and they don't really think that way because they're not used to that kind of golf very often i, I get it. i get it. i get it but 16 uh, hitting the green seems a bit that seems speaks to something oh no no the, that's yeah. not that's not yeah. great it was 20 percent on sunday <laughs> when there was a slight breeze into them that's that's not yeah. great um uh, for sure but i also saw very few people intentionally playing down the right i mean i didn't stand there all day but i i did see a couple do it and they were they were they were properly rewarded if you look at the shot link. But for the most part, yeah. No, it's it's look, they have a big problem. They want to have USGA events there in June. The Kikuya gets a lot spongier then. And you want to have firm greens. And so, I mean, we spent a lot of time back in the late 90s con contemplating this. What do you do? It's it's a tough situation uh from the agronomic side of things on what you how you uh, fix this, and uh, I don't have I don't have great faith they will figure it out. Um, again, I can't believe we're getting into this, but uh, very quickly, why is why is there Kikua run-ups at, at Riviera? I just don't understand it. It's I've seen a few courses in California that has that have the same thing. It just seems so weird, and it's very very unsatisfying, uh, especially when the greens are hard. Well, it's a noxious weed, and so it's very hard to get rid of. And the only way to get rid of it is to dig out. 12 inches, especially at Riviera. I mean, it is entrenched, Lawrence. Uh, uh, it, it, I mean, if you've ever seen a parking sign around here, they grow up through the sign, the Kikuya, and it comes out the top. I mean, it's just a relentless grass. So you'd have to dig out all the approach, probably illegally fumigated. I don't think it's even legal now to use what would be needed. And then you would have to put in sand. And then you pick your choice of grass, bent or Bermuda. And not a lot of places have the budget to, to do that. So it's a big, it's just a relentless grass. It just, it just, it croaches on everything. Ironically, the one thing that kind of stunts it is when you overseed it with rye. So I, I don't, 
maybe there's a solution there, but uh, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so in the approaches, but maybe in the rough, you know, if the USGA wanted to come in and really shave down the rough and overseed it with rye, they could have a less of a presence at Kikuya rough because it's not a great rough grass either. But for the approaches, it's a it's a really tricky, uh, expensive fix. But they want to have U.S. Opens and all that in the summertime. They may have to bite the bullet. The uh, yeah, I, I just another plug for the uh, for the no laying up piece. Uh, Rory is not a fan of the Kikua, especially not a fan of the contrast between the Kikua and then you have the hard bent grass greens. Aren't yeah. It? And he cited Royal Melbourne, and he's right. I mean, look, look. We, like I said, Tim Morgan and I used to kick around things, and we saw it. Riviera had temp. I wrote about in the. Uh, I don't know if I, or maybe I didn't, but the Riv had um, when they redid the greens in '94. We played Bermuda temporary greens, and they put a sand base in, and they left them for years. And they held out. They kept the Kikuyu out. They were great, and they were firm. Yeah. Um. And so I would do Bermuda. I don't. I think Bent would be tough. Um. But because uh, that's what Rustic has. But yeah, no, it can be done. But you, you basically have to rebuild the greens. It's really hard to take a USGA green and then dig out around it, and it's a big, it's a big task. But it can be done because yeah, as you said, you know, as as is noted in that piece, Royal Melbourne. Uh, well, Rory pointed that out. Royal Melbourne has a different grass to keep those approaches firm and then you just get an ugly line somewhere uh 50 yards or 40 yards short of the green which rustic has too but uh it's unfortunate but it, it but it does change the dynamics in the right way that it allows you to get the greens hard and it allows a good player to land it short by the way the other thing lawrence they could go to all this trouble and the guys still don't like to use <laughs> they don't they still don't land the ball short anywhere that's the other thing it's like is this i mean you have to do it but it, they don't. They just. They just don't like to land the ball and let it run. Right. I can't believe we've gone. We've gone twelve minutes. Twelve minutes of this podcast. Well, it was a big topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. B- bitching about uh, the the agronomy and and architecture at R- Riviera. Uh, I'm looking at the leaderboard here. At the end of the day, what uh, it identified the best three, four players in the world, didn't it? Yeah. Jeff? I mean, that isn't that always the measure of a great golf course or, I or a great think tournament so. setup. Yeah, when you look at who's coming in, and I, you know, one thing I, I started to tweet, and I, I'm just trying to tweet less because I don't really like the platform anymore. But the, uh, I thought it was really fun too how the last group, those three guys who've been playing so well, John Rum, Max Homa, and Keith Mitchell on the on the West Coast swing, totally different looks. And I I lament how we have a sameness, and I yeah. lament that uh, we also have it's hard to stand out. And yet here were three guys who, who, who are continuing to play well. And then ironically, I don't know if really the, uh, the, the two top finishers really had even their, their B game. I mean, it was like oh, a B minus game on, on, on Sunday, on Sunday, they were, they were struggling a little, they were a little off. I mean, Max, he had nothing with a driver and I look strokes gain. He was, I think he was last, uh, of the guys who made the cut on Sunday. But, um, I think that's, that was fascinating. It was just see. It was cool to see kind of different, different styles uh, and approaches to the to the golf. And yeah, it's the ultimate compliment to to Riviera and and, and the, uh, the the maintenance staff and the crew and and having those conditions. And you know, we discussed going in. It was it's been a brutal winter for growing Kikuya. I could not believe how good the fairways were. I could not believe how good the greens were with the cold we've had. And I mean, they were frozen <laughs> a few yeah. mornings. Yeah. But uh, that's why part of the reason they were firm. But it shows you that that kind of a architecture setup coming together, it it does separate uh, the 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 players. And I think if Tiger wasn't quite as rusty, he would have been a little bit 
uh, up there more. Um, and, and, and he just has one little glitch with his putting that he's trying to work on. And, and, uh, he's, his game looked overall really good, but it, it was, yes, it was sensational the way it, and then, yeah, you had Zalatoris and Cantlay make wow. nice moves. And so you're looking at a lot of top 10, top 15 players, uh, kind of rose, uh, to the top and, and Rory was awful. I mean, I think this is a fascinating Rory was pretty much awful. The first two rounds for him and he finished six under, I mean, it was just yeah. really impressive. He had, he had so many one arm finishes. And I kind of asked that in one of the post round things. And then you had, um, you know, you had a lot of these top guys who were, they were, they did not have their a games, but they still kind of separated themselves. And that, that's kind of cool. The, uh, the back nine on Sunday was something to behold. It was, I mean, not, actually, very quickly in architecture, our setup, and there was very, it seemed to be very little rough. So it was, I mean, there was a lot of guys uh, putting it in the trees. So the ball's running in the trees. And I, I, I that's fine if you go to, say, Augusta. Uh, but those fairways at River are pretty narrow. I mean, they seem yeah. pretty tight. And those trees seem to be really encroaching. But again, I've only, I've only, it's been a couple of years since I've been there. But looking at it on TV, it seems, oh, man, that back nine on Sunday, nobody was finding fairways. Obviously, Ram did it last 17-18. But, uh, uh, yeah, is that is that a misconception? Yeah, the fairway contours are awful. I mean, the whole place has been neglected architecturally for years in terms mm. of somebody who knows what they're doing looking at it. Uh, so that's part of it. They 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 have no rough, so you, you would, you'd wonder why they don't just mow it out wider. It would look more beautiful, and it would – move a few more balls into trouble that aren't perfectly struck. Um, but that said, I, I have no idea what Rahm and Homa were thinking oh on 13. Because oh. the, the wind, the wind they'd been downwind all week, so they were taking this aggressive line over the trees. But Sunday, you had the wind into you, and but they, hit, they both hit a, a cut, and they don't want to try to, at that point, try to hit a draw. And Homa just said he had nothing. And Rahm, I don't think really, I think he likes to hit that, big power cut and he hit, a, I think his was just a double cross, but Homa's was just, you look at the line he was taking, yeah. you were thinking, I'm assuming when he looks at some video, he had an alignment issue because he was just, I mean, he was aiming almost at the out of bounds. It was he awful. Was. Um, and he hit a bad shot and he also didn't appear to account for the fact that he was now into the wind. So even if he had got it up high enough, um, it, I'm not sure it would have carried to the point where he would have had a shot. But who knows? The, uh, he, he, he was lucky to make five. Yeah, he, he was. Especially, the, the, I was thinking about this. The decision on the second shot. Yeah, go, I mean that was absurd. What, it was weird. I, I mean, yeah. a, a really properly, you know, strong caddy would have just said, "Absolutely not." Here's your club. Get it back in the fairway. You can make four from there. It was astonishing yeah. that the caddy let him do it. The caddy, the caddy the was caddy's pretty pretty strong usually. His well, guy's not afraid to speak up that I've seen. Well, but, I, I, you know, I, he was kind of hinting at it. But I can yeah. imagine Steve Williams going in there and just saying, no, yeah. under no circumstances. Yeah. Billy Foster, no. Right. Uh, so I, I just I, I thought that was quite telling uh, about that relationship still. But I mean, obviously, they're, they're great friends and they've done brilliantly. I thought, um, I mean, I'm not sure that I mean, the scoring was pretty good. I thought the 16th hole was absolutely, uh, that was a real telling one. Obviously, Ram hit it to nothing. Mitchell hit it in the front bunker and Homer hit it over the uh, to the back edge. I mean that was really it, wasn't it? That kind of that to me that told yeah. me what what we had what we were looking at. You had the guy who's right, you know, the best, then the second best, and then the third. Best. I mean, anyway, uh, really. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's ultimately it's an iron 
players course, even though we focus on a lot of other things and just like, and Augusta is the same way. And, and Rom was, uh, I mean, he gained 11 something strokes on yeah. the field with his iron play. He's so good right now with those, that, that tight swing is just impressive and he'll clean up some other things. And if he doesn't burn out, he'll be, uh, on uh, playing designated events. He'll, <laughs> he'll be ready to go at Augusta. He'll be tough. The uh, uh, how was it having Tiger on the premises? How did that? Ah, oh, great! I mean, the energy. I, they had sold a lot of tickets without him, so it wasn't a uh, as much of a boost as as we thought. But yeah, no, the energy was fantastic. Um, you, you had a lot of kids out. You just had. Uh, it's not a golf. It was not a golf knowledgeable crowd. I was kind of embarrassed a few times at shots they did not clap for. But it's a sports audience, so. The energy was great, and um, I mean, those were the biggest crowds we've had there since the heyday of the 90s when they were giving tickets away to anybody, and these were actually paid, and uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I it really, I hate that to make that comparison, but it felt like a major in that we actually had real crowds. You actually had the amphitheater full on Friday yeah. a couple of times when Tiger and, and the, the, the big name groups came through, and um, you know, what energy that brings and then, you know, firm greens and just the guys, you just feel that extra edge where they all are a little more intense because a golf course that's intense like that forces you to, to be a little bit more focused. The, uh, yeah, that finish on the Thursday evening, uh, the, yeah. on, on 18 was, oh, that was, that was awesome. That was goosebumps, uh, wasn't it? it was not weird. often you see three birdies on that yeah. hole. And yeah, Rory was uh, had a little extra pressure after the first two. Uh, um, yeah, and yeah, and by and just on him, final no, I, I I I can't tell you how impressed I am. I mean, I would call his game C plus at the best, because uh, I watched a lot of that group, and and Justin Thomas didn't really have anything special going, and they still got around. Uh, Riviera quite well. I mean, Homa had nothing on Sunday. He shot 68. Granted, par is probably 69 now, but still, that's uh, that's that tells you a lot about them. And and a lot of the guys took that as um, as as a kind of a confidence builder, which was interesting to hear in their comments that that having their less than decent game actually gives them more confidence that they they kind of manage their way around a course like that. Uh, and I know we have said. Not a lot of mean things, but uh, it really is a magnificent setting. It really is one of the best. It really, just the whole LA thing and the, the golf course itself is so iconic. It was a, a yeah, the coverage. Oh, and, you know, there's something to be said too about the intimacy of it. It's only yeah. whatever 130 acres or so, uh, and th- and that just not having things spread out that just adds something. But yeah, having Tiger there obviously changes things a lot, and having a full quality field but he takes it to another another level for sure i mean the celebrities and you know and there's nile horn shooting little videos of tiger and <laughs> it's it's uh it just brings out a different uh a different atmosphere and and he was great he was, was gonna ask, just yeah. bumping the kids um I thought he, you know, Sunday he walked really well. He looked terrible before the round Saturday. And on the warm up, he was just hitting these like half shots. He hit about, th- I think, maybe two, three drivers. And he left, he even left when I wrote about it. One just teed up by his foot and he still hit about four or five more balls. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's he's feeling so crappy. He doesn't even like knock that thing away. Then he goes out and shoots 67. So I, I have no idea how to read um, things. But all in all, no, he was great. He was good with us um, all week. And he, uh, even stuff like on the first tee, they have 
the learning center kids do the announcement um, at times. Which was great. Really, yeah, it was great. Really cool. These yeah. sort of uh, foundation kind of standout kids who who uh, from the learning center and the whole uh, STEM program and all that stuff. Um, and he, you know, the old tiger would have not done that. He goes over, poses for a photo, gives him a little pat on the you know ass, or gives him a push like a like he's uh, he's actually remembers meeting them before. Um, and the old guy would have been, you know, I got to play, I got to focus. So I, that that was nice to see. I mean, it's taken quite a bit of. Yeah, controversy and other humiliating things to maybe humble him a little bit like that, but who cares? At least oh, he's yeah. doing it. And um, yeah, they had a thousand kids out there on Saturday. Uh, just little stuff like that. They got a clinic. They get a hat, lunch. They get they they bring a little extra energy on the property. They have their own grandstand on the fourteenth hall. I love I love little stuff like that. You know, it's quite a contrast. The U.S. Open this year is seventy five dollars for a kid coming with their parents oh. and. Uh, none of that kind of thing. So when you, and, and it just adds, you know, all these people want to blab on about growing the game. Well, you know, like these are actually things that, that matter that they're doing. So, um, pretty, pretty nice, uh, nice for us to see. Cause this event went through some rough years with Northern trust. They were really a dreary, they just brought a dreariness to the whole thing. And, uh, and so other than not letting spectators on the property Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, I, you know, and the, uh, media shuttle, could have been uh, a little bit tighter, you know. No, uh, hang on, hang on. No, no. A few no, things no. to work on, but all in all, yeah. really great work this, by this, CGR this, Live. No, what is that phrase? Despite the deplorable handling of the press luggage at uh, Zurich Airport, the Swiss Open got off to a tremendous start <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. We're feeling so good about Tiger. We're not even going to mention his bout of infantilism. I uh, will leave that. Oh, uh, what? Just, I mean, I have a theory. I have a theory that that. I have no information, but I I feel like Justin was the one that probably first started that, gave it to him somewhere, and then and then he gave it back. It doesn't matter. What an embarrassment! Their mm. their their thirteen year old humor or whatever it is, it may even be about eleven. Yeah. That was that was rough. Anyway, was we'll rough. we'll move on from it. Um, uh, hey, were the Netflix cameras there, uh, Jeff? I, I did not see the full crew like last year. Uh, we obviously had the big rollout Wednesday and the press conference. And I saw a lot of people with, with cool looking cameras. So I'm, they did tell us they shot at Phoenix, but the executive was very clear. It, it comes down to what the numbers tell them and whether the show gets renewed, but they did spend some money to shoot in Phoenix with the possibility of a second season. Um, so we'll, I heard, uh, kind of a roundabout way. The early early numbers were good, but who who knows? They look at what they what exactly they look at, and who cares really? It's their their thing, and uh, I don't think it's going to be the 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 grow the game uh, behemoth that they they hope for. But uh, if it helps, it helps. Great. The uh, I noticed last night it's still number two on TV shows, and I don't know if that ranking on Netflix and the Netflix homepage is serious at all. But it's uh, yeah number two. Who knows? Uh, you reviewed it. I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time with the last person, the last people in the world to talk about it, but uh, just general impressions of the show. Uh, great potential. And they, they pulled off a lot of uh, amazing stuff. I thought in the sense of the visuals and the players probably I thought were more natural than I had uh, expected because of the, the, the way the gear was and, and the intrusion factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was discussed ad nauseum last week uh, in the press room about 
just that that dumbing down element and what what the the thought process is and if i have one more person tell me you're not the audience i i may it may get physical i'm i'm like i'm aware i'm not the audience but as i wrote my review and and i, I think you agree that and i don't want to get into brand dynamics here but the netflix brand is one that like hbo you you feel let's be honest you feel like you're you're, you're a little better cuz you 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 watch their stuff you know they are not afraid to be a little bit different, or they were. I think they're kind of they've gotten away from this, and there's a little bit of an edge to the proceedings, and there's a smartness, and they, you know, they're not going to waste your time. And you know, then the last year they've peddled some pretty bad shows, and I've been burned on a few, but but they still have that trust factor with us that they're gonna they're gonna trust you, the audience, to be smart. And I don't get the formula with the golf and the tennis shows of not of abandoning that notion it's 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 something that a, a, a peacock or something else should be doing chasing a larger audience netflix should be comfortable in their own skin and 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 comfortable that if it's the netflix and chill couple watching that the guy can explain to his girlfriend what a par is or what a cut is you don't need to explain it three times and so that part just really took a, a lot away for a lot of people but again we're not the audience in the golf world apparently and i i just find that i find that weird others you can you don't have to dumb down i i just that that that's my big takeaway the uh, uh did you learn anything uh about golf or about the people that you didn't know before no nothing no. at all i say no, i no. i uh my I, 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 I did learn that Justin Thomas's allergies were really, truly awful at the PGA. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yes. Some things like that. Uh, the uh, Well, I learned a couple of things. One, that uh, in sports marketing, if I'm an athlete, if you're an athlete, uh, authenticity is all. I think the, the episodes that worked were the ones where the people involved were the most authentic. I thought the Brooks Ketka episode was by far the standout. I mean, truly. See, I thought he was really. You thought that I thought he was. He was overacting or um, trying to play up weird? the drama a little. Uh, well, anyway, well, I'd, maybe. I'd, well, if if that was acting, it was damn fine acting. I have to okay. say. Uh, and I thought his. Uh, I don't know if his wife now is it Jenna. Jenna yeah, it was, yeah. I thought she was authentically herself. A bit of a you know look to me. God, I better not say this. But you know the episode yeah, where she's going through her uh, wardrobe and he's sitting there utterly bored. Yeah. I mean, just, I thought that was, <laughs> I, 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 seriously, as a character study, as yeah. a character study and as a portrait of a relationship, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So it was little things like huh. that. When I talk about authenticity, that, that's what I mean. The other one, really, there was a lot of crying, incidentally. There seemed to be a lot of yeah. crying through it. <laughs> a lot the, of tears. Uh, yeah, but the Joel Davin one, again, solid gold. Just, well, he's, he is authentic. He right. is who, who that show made him out to be that's how i mean i had a nice chat with him last week he's he's just he's great he's just wonderfully honest right and uh yeah genuine uh, and i guess that his 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 episode really worked the kepka one really worked a lot of them didn't i thought see now the kepka one they moved to the second episode yeah, they figured yeah. if the show started with that people yeah. would not have made it to no no but the, number the, two. well the reason he moved it again it's for mood and tone I mean, the reason yeah. it, the reason it was initially number one was because it was so good. That's my that's my thinking. Mm. It was, you know, if I'm the I'm not the Netflix executive, I'm the director or the producer. I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, my goodness, this really, this is a, this is revelatory. This is authentic. This really really works as a 
as a self-contained episode, I I thought that that would be why it was number one. If the the Netflix executives would probably say, "Well, this is too dark. This is just too dark for us. We need something a bit more." You know. Yeah. And so they went with the. I thought it was pretty garbage, really, and very deceptive is the wrong word. I just thought inauthentic. I guess the first one, the Thomas Speed one, was they gave nothing away, and I and I thought a lot of that was acted. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the Rory one at the end was just dire. I mean, it was. Just yeah, like, I haven't made it. That, that's the one I have not seen. So uh, dire. I mean, that just, was slapped together when he finally decided to cooperate. I think yeah, uh, uh, the uh, and just and that's the thing. I don't. I don't like being too critical because we don't know how much they had yeah. to go back and rejigger because of live or because of late cooperation. And you want? Yeah, I, I had a TV people just wonder to me like, oh my gosh, what did they leave out and what did they they change for these people and and the amount they spent to get this you know, the other t- most tv people are like that's what they spent all that for that for so it was interesting to hear their their view that that it was um well they just weren't that impressed oh really i was gonna so the tv people that you spoke weren't yeah and i've about four or five now and they're on a different roles and different yeah. kinds of things, you know, independent people, the network type people. And, and, uh, and I mean, they're not, you know, they're happy that it's there. And if it helps put more eyeballs, no, nobody's lamenting that they just kind of, uh, wonder what might've been kind of thing. And, uh, and I, I think, and they shared, I got a lot of feedback to my review. They shared my, my, my belief that, uh, and it was asked of the network executive, you know, why didn't you go in order? Why, why, why wasn't the focus a touch tighter? And maybe that'll be the, the next season. They'll, they'll, uh, like I wrote in my review, either build it around one tournament, three shows before, one after, or the Ryder Cup, something that's a little tighter focus and actual makes you want to skip or keep going to the next episode more. Uh, yeah. Again, it's difficult when you, when there is no end, fo- it's not like the Formula One thing where there's a, the end focus, there is a, a natural narrative arc towards well, the you, end that doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't. Well, sure there is. Well, unless they build it around the FedEx. Well, you're not going to. Well, that's the whole point. Well, speaking speaking of in, in, in being inauthentic, but the 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 climax of the golf season is actually chronologically is is in the middle of the season. That's yeah. I think that's a problem. Uh, yeah. But I thought there was enough promise there, and I think people, yeah, players, and agents, and caddies, and tour officials looking at that. Well, well what really worked here? And I think they will get that. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to show your underskirt a little. You know, to 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 entice people in. You really do. Yeah. Uh, and you have to. And I don't mean shots of uh, in the gym. I mean, who gives a shit? Right. Um. So the kept, as I say, the kept uh, domestic scenes were. Well, phenomenal. Oh, and how about some of the inside the rope stuff they got with Ted Scott talking to Scotty Scheffler oh, before the final but, round? Mito Pereira right yeah, after he hit it in the creek. I mean, they got some great stuff there. And that was kind of what I'm saying. Some of those people are like, gosh, um, what, you wonder what else they got there that they didn't. And that, yeah. you know, I mean, to me, that was, but I'm a golf person. So that was more interesting to me, uh, selfishly. But that, that um, yeah, I mean, I think they also were just trying to please so many different forces. And then there's the the overall obsession with, uh, the youth thing, just trying to be young, 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 blah, blah, blah. And, and, um, and that, that just gets so old after a while, just stop, you know, just, just do, just do good storytelling and, 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 and the young people will come, you know, it's like the broadcast with CBS. People don't like some of the, the, the tech and I, I'm sorry. Well, 
guess what? A younger audience looks at that and they goes, this looks like a high, this looks fresh and modern and high tech. Yeah. Some of us don't know what the hell smash factor is. So put it on the screen. It, it looks cool and young and fun and, and new. Was it me or is the predictor the predictor thing gone from the CBS coverage? Did, did that? I, I didn't no, see it was much. There. Was it? I didn't see much it of it on Sunday. Yeah, I I, I don't mind. Yeah, it. anyway, it's great. Yeah. I, some people just hate him. Well, uh, whatever. Yeah, well, I, uh, I I really do hope there's a series two uh, because I I I mean I thought there was enough uh, yeah potential in series one and series two would be this year be the Ryder Cup. Yeah, it's really, a no-brainer. It's an it's absolute, a no-brainer. Yeah, you would think. And now that, and they're getting a late start, so that would be if they do renew it. Hopefully, that's the plan: is to start filming in, in. I but I they gotta turn it around faster. They gotta they gotta get at least one episode out before the Ryder Cup kind of thing. And I I, I didn't get a sense that that's that's a possibility and i don't quite grasp that i mean the lpga just did one with a minuscule budget and turn it around in two weeks and it looks pretty darn good so i i don't know what that's about um but it does seem like netflix had a plan here i think the problem is netflix they've got tennis they had the golf one to build up to the the f1 which is sort of the the mothership now the sports things and it's what is it is it coming out uh this week yeah, so I think it was built more around that than the the needs of the golf, and and that's just dumb. You know, the whole point of streaming and the beauty of again of Netflix, the brand, the blah 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 blah, uh, is they're not conventional. So why why do you why are we now fitting into your your marketing things? Because the stock price took a hit a few yeah that kind of stuff so i it just yeah that's a bummer but uh that's the way of the world and if that helps them fund it and justify it i guess that's what you kind of have to you have to kind of grin and bear it and accept anyway uh qu- quickly moving on we're almost done jeff uh john uh, john paramore uh, died last week uh long time european tour rules official actually he was uh, used to see him all all around the yeah, world he, he was everywhere yeah. yeah uh john at uh, 67 years old i knew he wasn't well, well um actually unlike some of the players i saw from the quotes afterwards no none of us uh, tiger was completely had no idea and unfortunately they didn't get a chance to brief him because they had to brief him on the tampon thing and uh so so when he was asked he was just i mean the the look on his face was just awful he was just horrified um really genuine uh, reactions as well which i think uh said a lot about uh john i mean i've got well yeah especially because tiger had a little a little run-in with him oh, <laughs> at, yeah. at uh, was it the, like a WGC? I think it was. Was that the uh, one? Uh, which one? Was Padraig. There was a whole thing with oh, Padraig. There was, there was a that Padraig was the uh, Abu Dhabi. Obviously, the famous one with Seve. Uh, him and I think Paramore and Monty had a few over the years. Uh, yeah, it was it was a slow play warning at the Bridgestone in two thousand nine. Oh, Tiger it? and Potty were playing together, and and oh, Tiger wasn't that. real happy to get blamed for. Patty's yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, he was lovely, and yeah, I mean the rules official were were so downcast uh, when the news. They all loved him, and uh, they had known. But yeah, I I had no idea that he was ailing. I I just thought that was uh, the forced retirement of the European Tour and the pandemic and cutting costs and all that crap. But um, terrible. Yeah, just, uh, uh, and and yeah, he would have been positive. I loved what was it. Shane Lowry, <laughs> the pace of play today, it would have been so bad. The pace of play was so awful. The guys are they're so slow. Actually, uh, I, I always consider it to be a black mark. And, uh, not uh, all J- of them. Well, JP's oh. record was the fact that he, 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 
he slapped a slow play on that uh, Guan Ting Wang. I think it was at the 13 or 14 at the time at the Masters. Masters yeah. Was it the 2014 Masters? 2013? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that was a 14 bit, or 15. Given yeah. some of the crimes that have taken place in the name of slow play at Augusta, I know. To, pit, to single out this kid, he must have been brutally slow because Awful, b- yeah. bullying wasn't John's thing I'm, I'm sure he must have just reached the end of his rope with this yeah. guy with this yeah. kid uh, but nevertheless it was a bad look uh, thing about John that my memories of John's covering the European tour he was uh, he was uh, at his pomp and we were all out there every week John was really really loved golf he was a really a good player actually and but he generally loved it and he just he hated he hated cheaters and he knew yeah. that he knew they were out there, you know. And he was, you know. So if you ha- if you had some kind of rules thing in your, you know, some story on a rules thing, you had heard, or you know, you weren't, you'd seen something, or you know, you could always go to JP, and he would uh, he would put you right if he knew anything. He would tell you. You might not be, <laughs> not given any t- 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 you know, telling any tales at school, but he would, you know, he would put you straight. He would steer you in the right place. He'd tell you to go and do this or do that, and. And he 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 would always help you. His job he didn't feel his job was to protect the players. He felt his job was to protect golf. Um, so that's about as much as you could wish for in a rules official. Also, just a really good guy. I think the the reaction to his death says says everything about him. So uh, rest in peace, John Paramore. Really one of the one of the good guys. Here, last thing, Jeff. Uh, Live golf uh, starts this week. Mexico. Uh, you excited? What team? What what uh, what uni will you be wearing as you watch on? Uh, I you know I've got to get into the merch shop and really look <laughs> at. You know I'm a big fan of the fur balls. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the um, the mashy niblicks. Um, yeah, boy, there was not much live talk last week. It was so nice. No, yeah, the the only live talk was mocking Thomas Peters, who who had the audacity to bitch. He got two sponsors invites to this tournament in the past. Two. Yeah, and he and he wanted another one. He blamed the tour because he's thirty fourth in the world. Well, he's not a member of the PGA Tour, and uh, it was just a setup to show how he's some wronged person or something. It was really sad. First Excel client to go to live, by the way, oh, really? uh, the Mark Steinberg stable, first one of a you know pretty significant stable. Yeah. Tiger, Justin Rose, Kyle Morikawa. Thor Bjorns or whatever his name is, the amateur. Uh, what am I talking? I wasn't. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, a lot of people. The, um, and then, you know, Brendan Steele had the, the, uh, the class, uh, cause I saw him on Tuesday hitting balls and he's such a lovely guy to talk to anything you ever want to talk about. He's a great quote. And, uh, and then I see you withdraw withdrew Wednesday. I go, what the hell did he do to himself? To, cause this is a big event for him. He loves Southern California. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's he was starting to live. Phil Phil finally matched his offer or something, and now he's on the high flyers with uh, James uh, Pyatt and uh, Cameron Chingali and Phil. What a what a powerhouse uh, team the high flyers are. The, uh, the the thing about Peter is just very quickly his countryman and Illinois former Illinois teammate Thomas Dutre. He's a member of the PG. He's flying all around the world with his family yeah. in tow. I mean, he right. is making an effort. You know, right. Meanwhile, Peter sits at home because he's a bit of a grouch. Great player, obviously, and won't get off his lazy arse to go, you know to go and try and play two tours. And the, as you say, the entitlement was just quite astonishing. Well, I'm sure he saw. Oh, I got a good story to tell you. I, mm. I'm sure he saw Adrian Morak was in the field from Poland and yeah. then became the first Polish golfer to make a cut. So I found out um, a, a great little. This is just fun. This is why and and not and not. 
this is why you give sponsor invites or whatever, but you know, Tiger's the host. Um, so when we were at the open last year, we were wondering how the hell did this happen where Tiger is playing with, with this guy at, uh, off the, on the back nine at you know, Oh, dark 30. Well, so they, what happened was they, uh, Tiger went out with his guy and this, this came from, from Rob, his, uh, his, his swing whisperer and good friend, Rob McNamara. Uh, he, he, uh, Cause I mentioned, I said, that was great. You guys gave Morocco sponsors invite. What a great, yeah, he's a really up and coming player and yeah. I want to watch him play. And, uh, he said, well, funny story. So we go out there and tiger gets out of the van and he's, you know, very focused, goes right to the, to the 10th tee and, and, um, puts his, his, uh, ball on the tee and, and, uh, goes to Joey to get a club. There's somebody out in the fairway and it's really early in the morning but somebody's actually beaten Tiger out there. And uh, and then something kind of catches his attention, and Tiger turns and looks, and he went, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and it was Adrian Morocco standing back there, like you know, like a golfer stands leaning on his club with his glove on and waiting uh-huh. for the person to get out of the way and be able to hit his shot. And he says to Tiger, would you like to join me? <laughs> <laughs> and Tiger just loved that. He just loved, he thought that was the funniest thing that this guy, you know, first he admired that he was out there early yeah. and that he wasn't rude and then he made a joke. So, and look how it paid off for him. He got Isn't an it? invite to the, to the, uh, the Genesis and, uh, and he made the cut, which was really, he's obviously a hell of a player. I he just, is. I didn't get to watch him enough. I was really annoyed, but I, I saw a little and he's, uh, I think he's, he's won, impressive. I think he's won twice on the European tour. Yeah, two yeah. time, two time winner. Yeah. So anyway, that's just kind of a funny way that sometimes how these uh, these things happen with uh, an invite. Uh, yeah, great stuff. That's a great I mean, he story. did it on merit. Don't get me wrong. And they like to try to bring a, a international players in. That's their theme, and Pe- that's why Peters has gotten two of them to yeah. that event. Yeah, in Tiger's time, so he needs to. Go enjoy himself. What team is Thomas Peters on, by the way? Um, I've got it right up here. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Thomas Peters is on the Range Goats. Oh, with, uh, I see. With Bubba? Bubba? With, oh, is this the Lunatics team? I mean, <laughs> by the way, I know Thomas. I've heard he's a lovely guy off the course. You know, he's one yeah. of those guys, though. He's a nutbag yeah, on the course. Of Byron, by the way, Terrell Hatton. Oh, watching him wow. yammer to himself. He, oh, with Tiger. Oh, brutal. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah, he'd be a good fit for the range coach, too. Who else? Who rounds out that uh, all star team? Uh, Taylor Gooch and Harold Varner the third. So, there wow, you go. that is a collect. That is quite the collection. Actually, uh, was there any sense last week um, uh, uh, that the PGA Tour, quotes and quotes, ha- have won the war? Uh, is there any kind of. Are they thinking. No, no, no. You still sense there's real um, nervousness, uh, real. But I, I mean, I think the, the lawsuit situation is going very well for them. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, definitely. And, and it's actually one of the things that I heard from talking to different people who are out there a lot, there's a real sense that, uh, uh, the players are a little full of themselves right now, feeling, feeling pretty special with the big checks and, and, uh, life is good. And who are you? Why are you telling me, uh, to, you know, whatever. And so, uh, whether it was media or tour officials or just people who are out there in the tour sensing a little more hubris and that, that did not make those folks real happy, but, <laughs> No, I sense the tour is very much still on the defensive and, and um, you know, want the Netflix thing to go well. They want the designated event. They, you know, they want everything to go well. And um, But I think they're in a very good place. You just look at how that event went. You look at um, 
a lot of the, the factors that are kind of driving all these different things. And then the buzz factor with lived, I, I just don't think it's there. Um, I, I, I think they're in a good place. Uh, speaking of the players and hubris, are they beginning to take any liberties in any way, shape, or form? Did you hear, did you hear anything? I heard whispers last in terms week. of in terms of well, you know, the way the game's played. Well, the, the, the rules and yeah. Know. Well, I had that chat with a few officials just off the record. Like uh, I got a little more clarity on the Shoffley thing, but no, there's definitely a sense that. Um, they still do it. They still, I mean, they're out testing drivers on Monday. They will still sit a guy down if they see something, uh, fishy, but yeah, there's definitely uh, going to be an issue with, um, um, players believing they're above the rule. I mean, it, it's just painful watching a mash down behind the ball, stuff like that. Um, and they had to issue a memo that, that, uh, reminding everybody to, follow the green reading book rules. Yeah. There've been some people copying over old information and do fudging, fudging those rules and caddies turning in other caddies. So, and I'm happy to hear that as you know, I mean, yeah. good for them. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to police the field. There was a lot of uneasiness about Scheffler's drop on 16 at, at Scottsdale and not at the rules. There was not anybody blaming the official. They agreed with my assessment. The guy was, standing where he was to avoid blocking the camera and then, but it was just that player could not wait to get his hand on that ball. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah, know, no, I think it's a thing to watch this. Will this, this player hubris lead to some, some things that uh, backfire on them. And the one that's really, really annoying me is this dropping business from the, from the knee. They're mm -hmm. essentially what they're doing is they're dropping it in a particular spot where they know the ball will yep. kick, will yep. kick forward. Did you, are you referring, I, I think you might be, I saw, cause I was watching the replay last night, Zalatoris. Oh, there's, they're I, all doing it. I mean, yeah, I could name they, all, they never get it on the first drop. Never. Yeah, I don't want to pick on anybody no, no. in particular. You're right. right. They, it's they never, never the first, it's never the first drop is where the ball ends up where it's, yeah. <laughs> I would, somebody should, if they're all into stats, somebody should do a stat. On shot, many, yeah. yeah. Shot link should track how many, how many drops. Yeah. Well, shot the, strokes gained drop. Well. <laughs> Because what they're all aiming for is to get the ball so they can place it. You know, they're exactly. all aiming for the third one. And so yeah. they're all, I, I've noticed that. That is really, really uh, annoying watching that. It's um, it's against the spirit of the game. But again, there's not, not, I guess that's the rule. I, I mean, I, I never I thought you, yeah. I, I never thought I'd come to this, but you know, this decision to drop it from the knee is a is a bad was a bad that was a bad rule change. I would go back. Yeah. To, I would go back to the shoulder because it gives them far too much control. Well, shoulder or the original proposal was to just place it. Well, yeah, but then that's not golf. But no, it? I'm I'm with you. I do do this. this the, 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 the the shoulder drops is better. Yeah, much <laughs> just, better. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, listen. Uh, we'll go uh, finish with Liv. Uh, we've got a friend of the pod this week, uh, Craig Conley, um, who I. You were busy, obviously, at Riviera. So I got Craig on the uh, on the phone. Uh, Craig is caddy for Martin Keimer. Uh, who, <laughs> lo and behold, has just pulled out of the the Mexico event for Live. But again, I spoke to Craig about uh, the life as a as a Live caddy, uh, and how it how it's different from uh, life uh, on the PGA Tour. Craig's caddy for all sorts of guys. He's caddied in seven Ryder Cups. He was on Kamer's bag when Kamer won the uh, with the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits, and obviously the US Open at Pinehurst uh, uh, on his bag when he won the Players. So Craig has. Uh, been around, done a lot, seen a lot. So it was really quite interesting to get an insight into into his life. I, 
to be honest, Jeff, I was <laughs> he was pretty strong on the live propaganda, so I had to uh, you know I was fighting back against that. I mean, I I, I get it, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was still, uh, and even though Camers pulled out, uh, I, I thought it was worth uh, worth keeping in. So uh, we'll, we'll oh no, it. I I want I'm anxious to hear because one of the the scuttlebutt at Riv was that that the the caddy perks are getting cut back oh. already. Yeah, yeah. The first the business class is out. Uh, I don't know about the hotel situation, but that was that was definitely a. Uh, the, there were some caddies at Riv gloating about the the uh, <laughs> cut cutbacks on uh, some of that stuff that they were all taking to social media to brag about. Uh, well, I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't know that, Jeff. You've got to keep me in the loop, buddy. Well, uh, it did. I mean, it just, just kind of came out during the week, so I'll be curious how he characterizes it, and and as, as if that's a developing storyline, Lawrence, <laughs> as the season progresses. <laughs> anyway, right. Listen, uh, Craig Conley, uh, caddy for Martin Kimer, live caddy, uh, proud live live caddy. I'd have to say, uh, he's uh, this week's friend of the pod. Take it away, Craig. Craig Connolly, friend of the pod. How you doing, Craig? I'm well, Lawrence. Thanks for having me on. Yep, I was looking at the calendar. Live golf starts next week, and I went through my uh, my contacts book uh, and I looked for golf traitors, and there you were, Craig Connolly, uh, live caddy. No, I'm only joking, Craig. Uh, good pal, always have been, and always will be. Uh, you're caddying for Martin Keimer, who's one of the, the the live gang these days. So I thought uh, you'd be quite a good guy to to catch up with. Uh, give us a lowdown on live. Uh, but before we get to, that, I guess. Uh, I'm sure you're known to a lot of people here, but for those who don't know you, uh, how long have you been on tour? And what, what you started on the LPG, or you started on the European Ladies, didn't you? Ladies European Tour, uh, a couple of weeks shy of my 19th birthday. That was April 1996. So a couple of years out there, went to the LPGA in '97 and carried out there for numerous players uh, from '97 through to 2004, and then get the chance to work with Paul Casey in 2004. And from 2004 to present day, you know, being carrying on the, on, on the men's, I was going to say the European and PGA Tour, but I'm no longer carrying the European Tour and PGA Tour. The, uh, so I, I, called you, I, say I called you up uh, because Live Starts next week. Uh, you were on it last year. You went there last year. I, I guess, I mean, the, the politics and the money side of it's all been discussed endlessly. Uh, you know, you and I can have a chat about that in the pub sometime in the future. But the, uh, so we'll kind of leave that to one side. Just as a purely strictly golfing sense work environment sense how, how was your first year out there it was incredible obviously we had no idea what to expect you're talking about something that was started you know weeks months before and by the time we got to centurion it was i'm not saying a typical tour event but it was a tour event. it was just you walked on site and you saw everything the range the range was was fantastic because there's that little party party atmosphere at the back of it the first one was in London. I flew down from Glasgow. There was a there was a car waiting for it to pick me up. It took me to the hotel, checked into the hotel, and everything's taken care of. Once you know, so from that it was like carrying at a Ryder Cup where you just get yourself, or you don't even get yourself. Someone else did it for you. You are given an itinerary, and you follow that. Obviously, every week on tour, you you book your own flights, you rent a car, and you book your own hotel. None of that's happened. And it really has been, you know, five star treatment for for the caddies. Obviously, for the players, it's the same. But for us caddies, it really has been fantastic. They pushed the boat out. I guess they've spoiled us in a way, but um, they've taken care of us. 
and that's what I mean by spoiled us. You know, they've taken care of us by putting us in love, fantastic accommodation. They put food on for us. They give us a free bar. It really is great, and I can't speak highly enough of it. So you're at home. Uh, you get in, somebody emails you an itinerary. Sit telling you this is your get a cab to the airport. This is your flight number. This is your seat. This you get to the other airport. This is who's picking you up. This is your hotel. Um, get to your hotel in wherever the dead Mexico City or wherever it is, and yep. and it's all in your itinerary. And then there's a car, a car taking you back to the airport, and then there's a flight taking you back home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably a bit like um, how how a player would would get treated. You speak to any caddy, any other caddy that, that's and you've caddied yourself. Is that you have to take care of yourself. But this past year on Live, everything has been taken care of by Live. And it really has been fantastic. It's been overwhelming, really, how well they've treated us. And are you expecting the same for this year? I'm not expecting the same. I'd imagine it would be the same. But with everything, they rolled out the red carpet for us. So who who knows what it's going to be like this year. I've, you know, just talking to a lot of the other carries and a few players uh, so far this year, it's, 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 it's just, you know, as you were from last year. So um, I'm sure there will be changes because obviously it's the second year I'm sure there was mistakes made behind the scenes as far as as caddies and players it was just like being a event um, and I don't mean that I'm not being disrespectful to live or any other event it was just another golf tournament where you wouldn't have known that this was a, a brand new style uh, it was just the, from my point of view everything was so smooth so I can't um can't thank them enough and can't praise them enough for, for how we how well we we've been treated. Yeah, that's a silly question. The uh, same hotel as the players because I remember my quick spell on, on tour. Uh, no, I, was, I was staying uh, in, in dumps. There was a couple of times we were all together, but I'd say for ninety percent of the tournaments we were in different accommodation. Okay, so they were in the seven star and you were in the six star, presumably. Correct. Describe a typical week uh, when you were carrying on the PGA tour. Was it a case of? You know, sharing a room with three people, and I mean, I, I have no idea. Carrying for Martin, carrying for Monty, carrying for 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 Paul. Those guys were all in the top fifty in the world. When I carry for Paul, Paul got to world number three. Martin number one, and spent a long time in the world's top ten. Monty was in the top fifty, even towards the end of his career, he was still in the world's top fifty. So they played a schedule that was very very similar. They cherry picked the best tournaments in Europe. They cherry picked the best tournaments in in the US and they played all the majors and all the the World Golf Championship events, which were great events. So your schedule pretty much stayed the same. You knew exactly where you were going, so you could book accommodation, you could book flights. Probably the most difficult thing to do is try to find a decent price for a rental car. But as of now that's been I don't need to do that. And that's it's nice not to be sitting in front of a computer trying to find the best deal to get from point A to point B to and then chasing yourself around the world. The, uh, it was a good piece in Golf Digest. Uh, it was an anonymous caddy. It was a good piece about... Um, it was a caddy, a live caddy, and just basically t- telling a few horror stories about the treatment of caddies and uh, 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 even the P- on the PGA Tour. Well, I mean, was that a, I'm sure you read it. Was that a mischaracterisation, do you think? It probably sounds a bit harsh, and people are looking at after what I've just said about live. And how well we are treated, and we were, you know, in a way, in effect, spoiled. But, you know, I remember carrying on the LPGA. The LPGA changed the rules a long time ago, and they have a buddy system. Whereas in America, 
carries pond life. They're scum. Country club carries. You know, that that's the way they're treated. They're pushed out the back, out, the, out of sight, out of mind. And I couldn't believe it the first time that I went to America where there was just a... When you went to register, it was just a white tent with maybe, if you're lucky, some stale donuts and stale coffee in the corner. You had to pay a deposit for your bib and your towels. And that, and even on the PGA Tour, you weren't allowed in a clubhouse. Now, people can say what they want about that, but I don't think that's right. When I've, I'd like to go somewhere in the morning, because obviously you know what it's like. You're up at, before the crack of dawn, you need some food inside you. And if you've got nowhere to, to do that, then you spend all morning starving, you know, and you're waiting to go on a tea to grab a banana. But I like to go and get some food somewhere, and at the end of it, go and sit in some nice porcelain and wipe my ass with some nice soft tissue paper. Not in a not in a porter John that stinks a shite and smells a piss and sandpaper for your ass. There's definitely a huge difference between carrying on the Asian tour, European tour, and the PGA tour. The PGA tour carries were not welcome when I was um, when I first started, and we're only you know 2004. But when I started on the LPGA, it, it really really was a, a it's not a dreadful experience being a carry. That's and maybe I'm. I could easily take that context here, but um, totally different. On the European tour, um, as much as you may have not been allowed in the players' lounge, there was always somewhere else to go and get food. You were allowed in the clubhouse. You were allowed in the locker room. More importantly, because once you've had breakfast, you can go and you can go into the toilet, use the bathroom, use the facilities, wash your hands with some hot and cold water, some nice soap, a nice soft towel to wipe your hands. And off you went about your business. But in America, you had to fend for yourself. I'm a grown man, so obviously I can do that. But, you know, being a 19, 20-year-old boy out there, you're like, I don't matter. So it definitely was us and them. Um, And I did read that article. Um, Obviously, there were some truths. Um, And I know who the anonymous carry was. So, And it's a person that is highly thought of. So if he said it, then that's... But that's his yeah. own experience, okay. you know, and you can't take anything else other than someone else. It's not someone else's experience. Someone walking into the game now, Lawrence, they're going to get treated like a king because you've got a you've got caddy dining, which is uh, is okay. The uh, there's a quote here I pulled out from Brooks Kepka talking about the, the whole caddies, uh, whole caddy thing. They are treated like human beings, and I think that's nice because I've seen both sides and. Uh, and not everyone has seen both sides. Carries are treated like people, you know. So his, he was obviously making the comparison between the PGA Tour and 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 the live. Yeah, I think he's he's probably treat, he's probably hit it the nail on the head there. You know, it's not to say that we were we weren't treated like human beings, but you, you get you get the context in what he's tried to say it, and so yeah, I'd go along with that. What about the money situation? I mean, you can tell me if you want or not tell me if you want the. Uh, I, I get my understanding of how it works on the, on the main tours or the PJ tour and the European tour is that uh, DP World Tour is that you get a stipend for the week, you show up as £1,500 or €1,500 Euros, and then it's a percentage of whatever the player wins, 5, 7, 10, whatever it is. I know everybody's got different deals. Everybody yeah. will have a different uh, stipend. What's, what's the deal on live? Do, do, is it the same kind of stuff or do, do yeah. you get paid directly by live or who, who pays who pays the carries? The players pay the caddies. So just as you were, just the same. 
Okay. Just the, you, you, you know, I mean, everybody, I think without saying it, everybody knows what carries earn. Um, it's there in black and white, you know. Whatever, you know, you know what a player earns in the carries, earns a percentage of that, whether that be five, whether that be seven, whether that be eight, nine, ten, twelve percent, whatever it is. So, the, again, there's been gossip that uh, carries were, were, were getting a percentage of player signing bonuses. Uh, carries get percentages of the team split at the end of the week. Uh, carries get percentages of whatever the player gets at the end of the season. Is, is that, I mean, is that true? Well, that's uh, um, the percent. Carries get a percentage of, of, of joining fee. That I don't know. That's it's obviously a private matter. Yeah. More power to them if they did. Absolutely fantastic, and kudos to the to the to the golfer that's willing to pay that. That's fantastic. That's looking after your boy or looking after your caddy. Fantastic, brilliant. Um, and whatever a player earns, you know, if it's on course earnings, then then the caddies. I'm not going to say entitled, uh-huh. but you would you would think that um, whatever if it's on course earnings, then then the caddy gets a, a cut of that. That's pretty honest of you. So you get a cut of the uh, of the team, the team. Um, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's a pittance. I did. Uh, it's a pittance and lesser of caddy for the four four aces, aren't they? They sweep up all the money, don't they? Well, when you're sending that invoice in, and there's a, a wee bonus at the end of it. Oh, we finished third, and they picked up X amount, and I'm billing yeah. him for X amount. Then it's it's it, it was it was nice that you know you, you could have had a a mediocre week. And by that, I just mean performance. And, you know, you don't want to finish 30th. Now, 30th in a live tournament is, I'll see you all right. Yeah. But, um, and if you add a, a little bonus onto them, the, you know, the, if, if they make that again on top of on top of what they've earned, then it's, it becomes a very lucrative week. So this first, the first year was a right eye-opener as to how much money someone can earn in any given week. I'll just jump on quickly to the to the golf side of things. Uh, again, you read stuff, but you you know, bit of not moaning, but you know, observations that there's not much atmosphere. Players might struggle to play without crowds. But I guess, my, but, well, is that true? I mean, is there a, is it is it noticeable? Is it a is it a disappointment or it's new and different? Uh, don't get me wrong. You want to tee off the first. You want to be in the mix, you know, because that's where all the crowds gathered. But there comes a point, you know, I've carried numerous PGA tournaments where there's nobody out there and mm. we've all done it and all this, the absolute bullshit going around about, you know, there's a lack of atmosphere. There is a hub, or they make, there's a hub where all the life and soul of the tournament is and when you pass it, it's rocking and it's great, it's fantastic. Now it's not, it's certainly not what we witnessed last week at um, in Scottsdale. But there's something different. There is, and you talk about players might not be able to play in front of a, cl- a, a crowd, but they played in front of crowds. I'd say they managed okay through COVID. I think that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the golf wasn't any worse through COVID than it was when when crowds came back in. So, um, you carry on the on a European tour, and you go to Doha, and you go to uh, some f- far off place. There's no one there, but you get on with it. I guess the criticism is no cuts. Everybody's on guaranteed money. You know, there isn't the same. Uh, you know, do you know that little thing at the kernel of any uh, competitive event? I tell you what, there's not one player out there that wasn't playing or walking with a smile, without a smile. You know, everybody's 
everybody's happy. They've, a lot of people have been rejuvenated. With the amount of money that's that's on offer and the amount of money that's that you hear that some players were getting signed for, then I think it's pretty obvious why you know why some players went as well. But golf needs a change. But my point is, you, you know, as a sporting event, as a, as you know, you're inside the ropes, and I just wonder what the if you've noticed yeah. if there's a discernible change in the atmosphere from you know. Again, the no-cut thing, the guaranteed money, everybody's got a smile in their face. Well, maybe that, that's maybe a great thing, but it can also be seen as a bad thing. So what about the uh, what about the World Golf Championship events that had no cut? You know, I saw plenty of miserable bastards walking about, you know. Listen, I, I feel very lucky, very fortunate to be involved in this from the start. Um, who knows if it's... Is it the future? Who knows? But it's happening now. One question before you go: the is is there any point we you're in the carries wherever he's all are together? And he's like, can you you're kind of looking at each other? Can you believe this? Surely it can't keep going on because it just seems so unbelievable and so unreal. Right now we're in it like any caddy. You can get fired. You can get higher than fired on a whim. So we're just for as long as it's there, we're going to ride that wave and try and keep that job. Because it is unbelievable. Have you been told that are you allowed if say Kymer dumps you, you get fired? Would you be allowed to go back on the? Have you been told or don't come back, don't darken our doors again? Or? I don't know how they can. There's plenty of guys that have last year. There was guys that that had a job and then didn't have a job and then went back to the PGA Tour. So, um, you know, guys were high, guys were higher than fired last year. So, you know, if I lost a job and and, and somebody from the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour wanted me to work for them. If I lost this job, I'd still want to carry. So We all saw the Reed and uh, Rory thing. Is that, a, a, is that just an exception, or a, in your experience of the last year, I mean, you've, you've jumped between events, although Kymer kind of less than others. Is there an atmosphere between the two, quotes and quotes, gangs? Certainly from what you read and what you hear, you'd have to say yes. I, like you said there, I once Martin played went to play Hamburg before the very first when he announced he was going to live Hamburg fell the week before or sorry did it fall the week before or was it a week off anyway it didn't matter but Martin had to withdraw from from the European Open because of a wrist injury Sub- subsequently this wrist injury obviously came back to to to, to to flare up in Saudi last year, yeah. you know, five months later, so he didn't. But just towards, I heard there was a there was a few murmurs about, oh, I can't believe you're doing this, can't believe you're doing that, and then I never experienced anything after that. Uh, everything we never we never played another regular European Tour event. Um, from other boys, I've spoke to boys over the last couple of days that were out in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and absolutely nothing. Yeah. From what I hear of people that are members of a certain golf club in Florida, the PGA Tour and Live, uh, not a problem. Not a problem. So, so somebody wants to keep it going, keep that that that, that fire lit. Right. So who knows? Anyway, well, uh, but from my experience, no. I mean, obviously the players can speak for themselves, but um, any regrets? I guess none. I mean, it sounds like you're kind of loving it and it's a bit of an upgrade in your lifestyle. Absolutely no regrets at all because I'm still caring for Martin Martin Keimer you know and if Martin goes out this year and he wins the PGA or he wins the US Open that's or, or, or say Brooks wins or DJ wins Augusta 
you know, or one of the live boys wins one of the big events. What what does that what does that say? What is it says that these boys can play golf and should be playing golf wherever they want. And again, Lawrence, this is not the forum for it. But what I really, really don't understand is how the European—I can't call it the DP World Tour, the European Tour, because that's what it is. It's a European Tour. They allowed all their members to go and cherry pick their best events and play the PGA Tour. And these guys were very willing to become members of the Live Tour and drop the PGA Tour and play more European Tour events. And I, I just don't know how that how they could how they can say. That that's that's nonsense and that's not what these guys wanted to do because I know that if there was only 10 live events Martin would want to play European tour events Westy the same Blandy the same they all would so I just I, it's the DP world tour I, I can't I just can't get my head around it how these guys would have probably given more back to the, the European tour than, than they were you know originally by not playing the PGA tour and then they're going to it's all the best players at the end of the year. So, again, it's not the forum for it, and I'm certainly not the guy to talk about it. But It's not the forum for it, but you still did it anyway. So that's a bit sneaky, wasn't it? Anyway, listen, uh, Craig, good <laughs> luck. Good luck on the Live Tour this year. Uh, I'm sure you have a great time. Hopefully I'll, I'll see you out there, pal. And uh, good luck to Martin as well. All the best. Cheers, Lawrence. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>